the elephant in the pew. Elephant in the Pew podcast, where they engage in the topics everyone wants to talk about, but nobody wants to discuss. From the Elephant Portable Studio, here are your hosts, Stephen Whitten and Ryan Reggie. So now you're no longer lost. You are lo- you were lost, but now better found. So, uh, so you're part of the 99. So that spurred a question inside of me that says this. Were we all lost? in the beginning of our life. Welcome to the Elephant in the Pew podcast, the show that brings you our opinions in a nicely tuned, well-oiled, chaotic sound clip to engage in the topics everyone wants to talk about, but nobody wants to discuss. I'm Stephen Witten. And I'm Ryan Ramsey. This episode is brought to you by ElephantPew.com, your one-stop shop for everything. Elephant in the Pew, keep your eye out there for uh, some changes coming up. Uh, we're excited. Yes. Thank you so much for making us part of your day, evening, night, morning, whatever you decided to listen to us. We're so glad that you um, decided to listen to us. We're so glad that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You're just so glad. I'm just so glad. (laughs) Um, Today we're going to be talking about The Lost. Um, I would love that show. No, not Lost, but The Lost, Not, not the show. Oh. Yeah. This ambiguous title has been used... Some may even say overused in today's modern context, and without a clear-cut definition, we Christians can at times ostracize the people we are trying to reach, a.k.a. the lost. So let's talk about that, Ryan. Let's just talk about this, well, I this just, topic. I mean, the first thing I'd like to talk about is J.J. Uh, Abrams is amazing. You know, <laughs> Again, we're not talking the about first the show. Three or three. It's not the show, dude. It's not the show. Oh. So we're we're still really not talking about the show lost. We're still not talking about the show lost. Today's oh. show is about the lost. Oh. You're like mixing up the it's, words. It's like it almost got lost in translation. Um yeah, so uh the lost. Yeah, man, I've grown up in church and I've heard that term over and over and over again. The lost, the lost, the lost. And I think it all stems from once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Um, I believe that's where it stems from. So um, it's a very soft way of saying people who are going to burn in hell. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. That's what it comes across as is Christians. Oh well, it's the whole bless their heart. Oh, bless their heart. Oh, they're just he's that he's just lost. He's just lost. It's like it's like. They're like a little lamb that like just got outside the fence a well, little bit. Right. And the thing is, is they're just like, loud. They just where I think mommy. it stems from is actually Luke 15. Oh, really? Yeah. Getting all biblical up in here. Yeah. Heaven forbid that we actually use the Bible, right? But it's the story. I've ever told you I hate you? <laughs> multiple, multiple <laughs> times. Go ahead. Um, Mr. Sarcasm. <laughs> uh, but in Luke, it's the parable about the sheep the shepherd who loses the one sheep and leaves the 99 in the field to go hunting after the lost Are you sure sheep? it's not about the coin that was lost and the woman well, turned on? I figured I'd just use the Bible. <laughs> That's the next one, actually. Oh. Wow. Oh, really? Wow. Really? Oh. Ryan knows the Bible. Well, you know, not as well as Stephen does, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, Um. so, I mean, that's where I think it 
stems from. I don't know. Maybe we've lost translation, and uh, a lot of people think it's that whole, I was lost, but now I'm found. I think that's where that comes from, actually. Is, you know, maybe mm. maybe the hymn um, writer maybe. S- was reading Luke, and he said, Do you, you think know, more people know lost. about this story in Luke, or they know about the Amazing Grace song? I bet they... Unfortunately and sadly, they probably know more about the song than they knew about. Mm-hmm. But I still think that that's po- we... That's popular culture's fault. That's not our fault. That's not our fault. We should be using this scripture, right? Even though the the song was based off of scripture, we should be using the scripture as a basis. I was using uh, pop culture for our listeners. Because were you trying to be relevant, I was Ryan? trying to be relevant to our listeners. I just, you were trying to be relevant. I just knew that they would get more out of it that way. Does, Enough. Does Jesus want us to be relevant? Uh, that is a different topic. <laughs> we're talking about the lost oh, and okay. how it comes from the Bible. So, uh, yeah. So being lost comes from the Bible. Stephen has uh, strongly forced his opinion on us in that. So, and we'll go with that. You know, I think the Bible is a good place to find reasoning for things. So, uh, that's the funny thing about facts. That's the funny thing about facts. They tend to be written down. Um, so, uh, yeah. So the sheep, and un- irrefutable. So the uh, sheep in Luke. So we're talking about um, the sheep that gets lost, and the shepherd leaves the ninety-nine and goes after the one. Right, mm-hmm. um, and then we talk about the woman who loses her coin, and she turns her whole house upside down, looking for it, meaning that she wrecks the house. To find or we can also talk about the prodigal son, right. yada yada yada. There's a lot of except there's there's a lot of uh, stories where Jesus talks about, you know, yeah, the lost. So he gives us the example of like these lost things. So my question is, in our modern context, if Jesus is trying to give it, every time Jesus gives an illustration, it's symbolism for a people or a, you know mm-hmm. a something. So then, who are these lost people in context? I mean, in his context and in our context today, like what, who is Jesus's lost people? Well, that's a good question. I asked it, so you have to answer it. I have to answer it. I like how you made that a. You have to. Um, my, sorry, I was like, I, my my Americanism came out of me there. I was like, I don't have to do whatever. I can do whatever I want. This is America, the right? The only thing I have to do is be free. I am already, so there, no. Okay, so let's answer this question. Who are the lost? In the context, I think we, we've, we've said that Christians um, seem, seem, to, seem to overuse this word. Yeah. And I think what they're, when we say... And we as Christians say, oh, they're just lost. We are using it as sinners. But the funny thing is, is like Jesus knows that we're all sinners. So that that's n- clearly not what he's mi- mentioning. He's not mentioning the sinners. Mm-hmm. He's mentioning the people that are um, have, have uh, strayed from the path that he has laid out for them. In my opinion, I think that's what... He's meaning by these lost. If you're a Christian, I think you fit into that 99%. Are those 90 the 99 sheep that aren't on the fringes? Mm-hmm. You know, they're not you're not in the caves exploring finding whatever's better like what the grass on the gr- greener grass on the other side, you know, stuff like that. You're not that. You're probably you, if you go to a church on a regular basis, you are not lost. You are the 99. So you're saying that they are not classified as the lost by so-called Christians Correct. in the circle. 
mm-hmm. although they may indeed be lost, depending on the definition. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the the definition of lost is, uh, I think that today's context of lost is people who don't go to church and who, um, or specifically for some churches, who don't go to their church. Mainly, I mean, if you think about, there are certain um, Catholic Catholics that believe that anybody who's not a Catholic, well, they're just lost. It's one true church. You know, they're fallen, the fallen brethren. Or there's several churches out there that say, well, if they don't go to our church, then they're probably just, they're lost. And we'll pray for them. And um, and so that, I think that's the modern context, or that's, but I think it actually is that um, uh, the lost are the people that um, Jesus goes after intentionally. Well, he goes after all of us, but it's those people who don't accept the gift freely. You know, like when you... Um, so are you giving a separate definition of lost now? No, I'm, I'm giving confused. the same definition. So same people, same definition. So you're yeah. saying it's the people that Jesus goes after. Yeah. Okay. Who who uh, don't accept it? Sorry. It's okay. Who don't accept his gift. Those are the lost people. Okay. Like you were lost but then you accepted the gift of of that he gave us by dying for our sins by asking him to forgive mm-hmm. your sins and be a part of your life so now you're no longer lost you are lost you were lost but now found. you're found so uh, so you're part of the 99 so that spurred a question inside of me that says this um were we all lost in the beginning of our lives so were we all lost at one point? I would say yes. Because what if you grew up in church and you were in church because you said those people go to church every Sunday? But you still had to make a conscious decision, right? Okay. So were you found because there is the age of uh, understanding in which young kids are, don't understand the whole concept of salvation, mm-hmm. and so therefore they're covered by the blood of Christ in that and then there is um, the period in which you become conscious of that, and then there's salvation. So were you uh, found and then lost, and then if you got saved, found again? How's that work? Well, that's a good question. The I would say that everybody at a certain age does have to make that conscious decision to choose the get to to choose to receive the gift, or to choose to go on their own way, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, that most people call it the age of accountability, and it's different mm-hmm. for every person. It's you know it's so based on maturity. Do people become lost on purpose? That's my problem here. So when we use the term lost, well, it's an inanimate object, or or, or not inanimate, because I guess the sheep could be lost. Do, did that sheep become lost on purpose? Purposely well, lost. Well, with that analogy of the sheep, did the sheep consciously go to the other side of the field, like the other side of the fence, to get the greener grass? I don't know. Did you ask the sheep? Ah, see, now you're talking. You're you're trying to talk. We, I'm not trying to say that you and I are making the decision. I'm just saying that's the definition of the lost. So, is somebody who consciously decides to walk away lost? Yes. But they're not lost because they know exactly where they're at. Do they? 
I don't know. They consciously decided to walk away. They consciously decided to walk away, but they don't know what's on the other side. They don't know what's in front of them. So if you consciously do something. You, but what if they do? What if they grew up in church? What if it was you or I and we turned around and said, you know what? Screw it. I'm done. I'm walking away. Would we be lost? or would we Yes, just, would, we would be lost. Cause I we don't, don't think so. See, that's, we, why, that's one reason I don't like the word lost because it, 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 it infers... Do you know? But it see, infers like accidental happenings, like oh, well, they got lost. Oh no, it could happen to any of us. You well, know. But it also means that you know. But I mean, y- lost doesn't necessarily mean it was an accident. It just means that you don't know where you're going. Like you might. There's uncertainty. No, like, being lost it means you don't know where you are. Yes, but you also don't know how to get to where you want to go. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> See, this is the thing is like... I promise when I walk away from this conversation, I'll still call lost people lost, just so you know. I just, okay. I'm just arguing for the sake I, of arguing. I, no, I um, understand. So, but I just think that like, I feel like there's a different differenti- differentiation between people who are lost, as in they didn't mean to get there, or they don't realize that they're there. But see... And then you, there's people who intentionally walk away from the faith. So you're saying... And I would call them condemned, not lost. So you're saying that Jesus didn't die for those people? Not saying that, because Jesus dies for those who are condemned, whether they realize they're condemned or they are lost and they don't realize they're condemned. He died for all those people. All they have to do is the same thing, turn back to him, right? Right. So, boom. But see, what I'm saying Mic is... Mic drop. Like, <laughs> you, can, you can do that, but the thing is, is like Jesus is still searching for them. He's not searching. He knows where they're at. They're still searching for Jesus. Messed up your Luke passage, didn't I? No, you didn't. Well, I mean, you kind of like missed the point of the whole passage. Oh, then. I missed the point. I see how it like is. If that, I mean, that, not you. The argument misses the point. Okay, yes. Yeah, right? yeah, I see what you're doing. So, like, that's the thing is, like, um, we have turned the term lost into a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. But really, it, it just means... Um, that we are like the people that Jesus goes after. Um, it's like to put it in, I hate to use this cause this is a terrible, but you're going to, yeah, I'm going to cause it's the only one I can think of it, but like in a gambling sense, right? Center. It's a safe bet to stick with 99%, right? 99% is passing. It's like, it's an A, it's an A, not an A plus, but it's an A. I take a 99% every day. Yeah. But see, Jesus is not, okay with a 99%. He wants 100%. So he leaves the 99% back to go hunt for that 1%. Right. So that's the the, the idea that I have here is, is like, okay, so he, it's an all or nothing type of thing for Jesus. Right. He wants it all. He wants everybody to be a part of his kingdom, his, kingdom, his eternity, his heaven. And we with the free will idea that we just, you know, we're going to turn our back and we're like, well, we can do it on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jesus is still chasing after us. He's still trying to find where we're at. He might know mm-hmm. God knows where we're at because he's God, mm-hmm. but he's trying to find us where we are. Mm. And so that's where, like, that's where I'm thinking like that whole idea, like, to say that, well, Jesus knows where we're at, that puts a lot of pressure on us. Like, it 
gives us a lot of um, gives us a lot of power when in all reality we don't have any power to to save ourselves. Yeah. So, yes, at first we might consciously decide to turn back, but without Jesus's help, we won't be able to get back right. on path. We won't be able to be found yeah. without you know surrendering and saying, "Okay, it's it's your job, Jesus, to get me back," because I have no clue where I'm going. Right. So, in essence. I would say that those who consciously make the decision to turn their back and leave, they're just as lost as the people who don't e- didn't even know in the first place that they were lost. Mm. They because even if they did make the decision, hey, I need to get I I need to get back with the flock. How am I going to do that without Jesus? Right. And so that's where I would say that the lost that whole definition lost still applies even if you consciously decide. Okay. I'll buy it. Okay. It was an all right argument. It was I mean, an all right. It wasn't outstanding, <laughs> but it was. Well, I mean, I'm no Mark Driscoll, but. It was no 100%, but it was <laughs> It was probably a 99. It's 99%? Jesus, I'll take it. Jesus didn't accept that. I'm not, but remember, I'm not Jesus. Jesus doesn't accept that argument because he wants 100%. <laughs> right. But he'll take, but you'll take, I'll take 99. Okay. Did you say you're no Mark Driscoll? Yeah. You're retarded. I can't, I can't make the, the argument as well, I was just saying, like... He would just yell a lot more. Oh, would I? <laughs> he would just yell the same thing you said a lot more. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't listened to Mark Driscoll in a while, so... Yeah. Well, I was just saying I can't make a, as good of a case to you as Mark Driscoll could, because I haven't listened to Mark more, Driscoll in a long time, I'm just saying Steven. he's probably a lot more educated than I am. Yeah, who knows what he's doing these days. Um, So, uh, I guess the next thing is... So, let's say, metaphorically speaking, I'm lost... Okay. Probably some people right now would say that about me anyways. <laughs> but um well, so I'm lost. Um and I'm wondering so if I'm lost it means I must be away from the fold, like you're saying away from the flock. Um and what does it mean to be lost? Like what are the consequences of this? So let's say I never get found. What would the lostness be? Would I just be lost for eternity? Well, that's the thing. We don't we don't fully have the power to know. Like, there's several theologians out there today that would that would teach differently than I would. So I just want to put that out there, preference. My from right. my biblical there's several heretic heretical theologians right. out there. Yes, what I'm what I I'm agree saying with that is statement. yeah. What I'm saying is like there are. I'm reiterating what everybody says is we have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing what. What will happen to those people? I'm, I'm, I'm. Let me clarify something. What uh, do you mean I by think, the I think people? You, I think you need to clarify something. Yeah, clarify. So, what do you mean by like, what if they're not found? Because do are you talking about like the people who don't who have made the conscious decision to leave, or are you talking about the people who never heard the good news? But yes, you didn't answer my question. So okay, so. For my biblical and theological a person who does not have the shepherd Jesus that is searching for them has not turned to that shepherd and put their faith in him that he is God and asked for him to cover their sins. What happens to that person? Okay, so essentially a lost person. I'm jumping to a hard definition because I want Stephen to have yeah. A, a, so from my, I want him to have a fair opportunity to say the right non heretical thing before I just absolutely <laughs> blow up on him in front of everybody. So I know, I know. It's, it's a very narrow path to escape yes. this. 
<laughs> for my biblical understanding and theo- theological understanding, and if you, is if that you if say you the wrong thing, you're going to have to prove this. Where this, <laughs> yeah. okay. What I, <laughs> you were so <laughs> <laughs> like, if anybody could see this, he is fidgeting so bad. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, it's like okay. pray. It's like an, it's I'm like I'm a li- it's I'm like I'm a lion. To, and I'm getting ready to there's pop, pop in, your bubble here. There's an injured gazelle like, so right in front of me. From my understanding, is that if you do not accept Jesus as your savior and your shepherd and you don't accept the gift that he gave you, then eternal damnation, you know, you will be going to hell. There's, there is no other way except through Christ. But you were talking about some caveats a second ago. No, there was no caveats. What I was saying, you said, you said there are people who chose to walk away or people who never heard the gospel. That was, well, because I don't know. Like that's my, that's one of my questions. Like if you don't, if you never heard the gospel, then you will be, according to that biblical understanding, you will be going to heaven, or not to heaven, going to hell, sorry. So, but that's the question, that's one of the eternal questions that I have, is like, what happens to all those people who never got to hear about Jesus? And mainly speaking about, like, Native Americans that never heard of um, Jesus before missionaries got there. You know, these are these are the questions that I ask myself on a regular basis. So, for my biblical understanding, yes, you will go to hell. But I have a hard time thinking that Jesus and God would have never made a way for those people. So, it's a question that I struggle with. So, are the, those people are lost, but... That's the question. I that's one of those main things that I I ask. I'm like I don't know. I I personally don't know what would happen to the people, and and I refuse to to stand rock solid on the whole idea that they're going to hell because they never got to hear the thing, the mm. the news. Now the people who have heard the news you have decided a, to make the my decision question for that is do you have a biblical argument for your position on that? No, I don't. I don't have. That's why I'm. That's why I'm confused by it. There is no biblical. Mm-hmm. There's no biblical standard there. All I have is my compassion that I have that breaks my heart every time I think about all those people who didn't hear the gospel, who didn't hear the good news. How how can I like so? Uh, how can I justify that that mentality of they're going to hell? They're lost forever, mm-hmm. you know? And that's where I'm like, there are, there are some instances and some people who would say that possibly, now this is, this is far, this is like, I wouldn't say this is heretical, mm. um, but I'll it's... Get, I'll get my marker out so I can yeah, a big H Please, get ready. Um, it's not my thoughts. These are... These are not my thoughts. I'm just bringing it up. But like, what if Jesus, when he died and when he descended into hell, he was speaking to all of the dead? Like he got out of time at that moment. He stepped out of time. We don't know what happened during those three days. So he could have preached during those three days in hell to all who had died and never heard. Past and present and future. Now, that is unfounded there's no scriptural evidence to say that there's no traditional evidence to say that all i'm saying and is and it would undo everything he did on this earth so that's fine how would it undo everything because we have to trust in jesus and his work as him as god in the flesh on earth and if he but could, he's out of time too if he could just come and be at any time out of time be hey i'm jesus by the way and you're saved 
if you're in hell at the end of all times after everybody's there, then no. See, th- see, before he died on the cross, mm-hmm. there was not they like people didn't just go to hell. They went to a waiting place. That's he preached to those in Sheol, as mm-hmm. the Jewish would say. And Sheol wasn't hell. No, it wasn't. Both everybody went there when they died. Yeah. So that's what. Like I said, this is unfounded. This is no scriptural evidence. This is no. This is just an article that I read online that said that possibly. <laughs> well, it must be true. No, I didn't say it wasn't <laughs> true. I didn't say it was true. I was just saying like this is an idea, and this this is something that would make me like this. This helps me sleep at night thinking of all those people that have that never heard the gospel. Now I'm not saying it's true because there's no foundation to it in scripture. There's mm-hmm. no traditional. Um, evidence to say that, and uh, you know me, there, I always take everything. There is, a, there is. Okay, so let me help you out here. Okay, you're struggling. Uh, no, I'm not struggling. You're struggling. I can tell you. You are like your killing eyes. me right you now. You should see him. He's crying right now. He's literally. I crying. am. I'm crying. His tears. I mean, no, he's but crying. I, that, he doesn't show it in his voice inflection, but he's he's crying. Yeah. Um, me. Just kidding. He's not. It's crying. not crying. It's sweat. <laughs> it is pretty hot right now. Um. So you're We're talking about hot tea. and yeah, it's relaxing. Um. So you're talking about First Peter uh, three nineteen is a common. That's where people make that argument from, okay? And it says, in that state, he also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while an ark was being prepared. In it, a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not the removal of filth from the flesh, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. There's a good baptism thing for you, through the resurrection of Christ. Um, so basically it says that he went into preach to the captives. And so people take that as understanding and it talks about Noah right after that as the people who died before the time of Noah or in the flood. Um, he gave them a chance for the gospel because then after Noah came, um, the law and all that stuff. So, um, that's where they make that argument off of. I think it might be baloney, but the hard part is when you say that, like this whole, like what's the point of what we do today? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so if everybody gets a second chance at the end of time, well, just live like you want to live. Oh, see, that's the that's the thing is where the argument can be slippery slope is second chance. Yeah, Nobody the, gets uh, a second chance, but doesn't, my thing is, is like, doesn't everybody deserve get one chance? One chance. Not if no, if okay. in the eyes of God, do we deserve one chance? No. I'm just asking the question. I I know that. But what I'm saying is you're you're asking a separate question than what I was ex- describing. Okay, go back to that one then. Okay. And I'll ask a different question. Nobody deserves a second chance. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is for all those people that didn't even get the first chance, that's where I have a hard time wrapping my head. I'm not saying I'm turning into Rob Bell by any means, okay? Sounds like it. It sounds like it, but I'm not. I'm just saying, like, Love wins. this is the question I ask myself, is what happens to those people who never got to hear the gospel or the good news or got to see and experience the law of the Jews, right? Now, do I believe that they get a, a chance? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. That's why I have these questions. That's why I have this gut-wrenching feeling yeah. in my head that, or in my head, this gut-wrenching feeling that it's not fair. But again, nothing is fair. The fact that we get to go to heaven at all, at all, 
is not fair. Yeah. So, so I, I probe these questions cause I struggled with this for a while and, um, I was asked in a um, ordination meeting with a organization that I'm no longer involved with um, that same question. And uh, I have a hard time with it. And missions was very important to them. Um, and it was something that they pushed very hard. And so the question was, what happens to the tribe in some foreign land that has never heard the name of Christ and, and they die? Where did they go? Same thing you're saying, you know? Yeah. Um, so I kind of stumbled around like you like I don't you know and I got to the point where and there was an older guy there who was very wise he'd been a pastor for a long time and he said uh, he said I said I guess you know they go to hell and he's like but you don't like it do you and I was like no I don't like it it sucks like yeah that's why I have I struggle with that and he said he said good because that's what drove him to be a missionary for like 20 years in like the Philippines or something like that because it's up to missionaries to, that's why it's important that mission work happens because they have to get out and, and do that because there are the lost out there and that is what happens um, to you if you don't know Christ. Is it fair? No, but life's not fair. It was never created to be fair. Yeah. And those people who didn't know Christ, the American Indians before they, you know, they went to hell. And was it fair? No. But is it fair that we don't go to hell? No. So yeah. either way, we're just the beneficiaries of that. And and if you have that mentality, what happens is this. This is the natural conclusion. Well, we should probably just leave those unsaved tribes alone because they'll go to heaven if we don't ever give them the gospel. Right. So And then that goes against what, what Jesus Christ gave us as his last word, the Great Commission, which go into all the nations, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? So Right. That's the Great Commission. We're supposed to do that. So if it goes against the Great Commission, logically, at the end, we have to realize or at least admit that it's flawed in its thinking. So, um, yeah, it's hard. sucks. And we don't have to like it. Um, but, you know, it's the same thing. Like, So let's rewrite history. Um, we'll talk about, we're still talking about the lost. It might not yeah. feel like we are. But um, so um, Hitler kills all the Jews. They capture him, but instead of him finding him dead or whatever, he's alive. They take him as some as a prisoner to some hospital to get healthy. And in that hospital, they find he's sick and dying. He's only got a few days to live. You know, he got exposed to some gas chamber that he did on the Jews, which would serve him right. And um, on his deathbed, some missionary says, talks to him about Christ because he, even though he hates Hitler, knows that hell would be a punishment worse for anybody. Hitler, um, knowingly and honestly receives Christ as a savior and repents of his sins. And then the next day he dies and Hitler goes to heaven. Is that right? Is that fair? Well, no, it's not fair, but it's right. Theologically. Theologically, it's right. So, um, and, and it's in, and in all fairness, if I can use that word, um, it's what everybody else received. Whether right. whether it happened to Hitler on his deathbed or whether yeah. it happens to us, when I maintain we're young. to the fact I maintain the fact that you don't have to be a nice person to get to go to heaven. No, nope. there's lots of bad people in heaven. Yeah, but guess what? They believed and they accepted Jesus into their heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, the like. Now, do I think that's very probable that happens very much? No, because bad people aren't generally cr- really Christians because the fruit of the spirit works in true Christians, and they right. And so, but but there are I mean theoretically. Like, Possibly it could happen. Probably it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like right. I mean, there. When I say there, I maintain that there. It you don't have to be a nice person to go to heaven. 
Right. It's, I mean, I, it's it's very radical to to see a not nice person enter the gates of heaven, but it's very possible that someone who um, and I I speak this from experience, right? I know of people when I was a kid that attended church and I and were probably Christians, but but their actions did not speak it. But they were they believed that Jesus died for their sins. They accepted the gift. They they uh, lived justly and rightly in the Lord. But when it came to a kid who was messing around. They thought it was disrespectful, and so they yelled at me. They were probably not the nicest people, and but do I think they're in heaven? Yeah, I absolutely think they're in heaven because of all of the things that they did in their lives that showed me that they were a Christian. They just weren't nice to me, mm-hmm. you know. So um, that's where I I have that 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 personal experience in me that says, yeah, I, not every person that goes to heaven is going to be a nice person. But when they get to heaven, they'll be glorious and they'll be beautiful in Christ and they will probably be the nicest people that we've ever met. Hopefully. <laughs> you know? So I guess the next question is, um, so if, if someone listens to this and says, am I lost? Um, or listening to this, I feel like I might be lost. I might be away from the fold. I might be the one who doesn't really know this Jesus person. So what does somebody do who is lost right now like what what do they do next where where do they go what what would you suggest Stephen? well um well, the next the, the first step is if you want to be found probably start praying <laughs> to gandhi no to to jesus to god oh to gaudi no not gaudi <laughs> jesus asking jesus to forgive your sins i mean that's that's like the the first thing um don't know it off the top of my heart, and uh, you can crucify me later. Crucify, um, crucify but the Roman crucify. road. We want Barabbas. Let's read. Give us Barabbas. Um. So read the Roman road is like the best um, path to learning about how to be found. Right. I think uh, you're possibly thinking about verses such as. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No mm-hmm. one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. Right. So things like Acts sixteen thirty one. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, and your household. Ephesians two eight through nine. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves; it's a gift from God, not from works, so that no one can boast. Or from First John one nine. We confe- if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So. I think that basically says what you're trying to say there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so if you have a Bible, open that Bible and rewind what this podcast, those verses I just said, and look them up. Because um, that's that's the truth in which a person, the path that a person can follow um, back to God, um, back to understanding who Jesus Christ is. Simply put, um, all a person has to do to be saved is to believe that Jesus Christ is God and accept his free gift of salvation. That's it. It's not fair. It's not fair. And so that's how somebody who's lost can be found. So it's very sim- simply put that way. And I, we, we could go into further theology on that, but we don't have to because... Well, that no. It's that. Theology is for those who have accepted the gift who want to know more. Right. So um, the question is now, um, 
and this is kind of probably the last topic we'll end on before we go to closing thoughts because um, God cares about the loss you know um, he came as Christ the son came as Christ embodied to die for the lost yeah right he sacrificed everything God Jesus in the flesh came and died a physical death um, for us because we were lost so he cares about the lost so the question is, shouldn't we care about the loss? Because I see a lot of churches. I see a lot of churches that are really good at doing church. Like, that's pretty much all they do. But they don't reach out into the community. They don't uh, pour into the lives of people to go out and share the gospel, to evangelize others. They don't knock on their neighbor's door to find out what's going on. They don't do any of these things. And yet we say we exist for the loss, but it looks like all evidence shows that you exist for yourselves. And so my question is, shouldn't we care about the loss as the church? In fact, if Jesus was came to earth and died for the lost, shouldn't our primary drive be for the lost? In fact, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, says that we should go into all the world so that people will know the message of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's the only directive he said. Yeah. He actually had nothing to do with saying, go ahead and start organizations in which you'll meet regularly together. Paul might have said things that were close to that, but Jesus didn't say that. Yeah. He didn't, and he definitely didn't say, let's be relevant to the, the, the culture at the time so that we can bring in people. In fact, Jesus was incredibly ir- irrelevant. So, um, because, you know, we look back and we think, oh, Jesus was just a Jew or whatever. But I'm listening to a book, I think I've talked about on the air, called Jesus a Theography by uh, Leonard Sweet and Frank Viola. And uh, you should check it out if you want some good theology and talk about Jesus. Um, and it's actually kind of, uh, I've kind of taken a, it's been an interesting year. We've almost been doing this a year now. And yeah. um, it's interesting how these talks and other things going on in my life, school and just experience and study, have shaped my belief and my theology and my doctrine a little bit. And um, so I come from a more, um, I grew up United Methodist, and then I became following Mark Driscoll, so I became more Calvinist, reformed in my theology. And then I've kind of gone away from that to kind of more back, I guess, the original way I came, or you could say forward into something better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, and that book, though, he talks about Jesus in his countercultural way, he treated women. So um, women were treated as, um, you know, back back in that culture, they were treated, like it was shameful to talk to a woman in public. If the woman wasn't your wife or your daughter or your sister or your mother, you know, something like that, if it was just a woman, like it was shameful for a woman to talk to a man. And the shame never fell on the, the man. It always fell on the woman. And um, like in, in gatherings, like women were always, like if a man came into the living room, the men were in there talking in the main living area, whatever, the women were either in the kitchen or outside in the gated area with the kids, the play area or whatever. And so things like um, the woman at the well where Jesus alone goes and talks to a woman who's not his wife and clearly the town, uh, talk of the town as far as her behavior, right? Hmm. Things like that, shame. That would be like major shame on Jesus. Um, Things like... um, Mary and Martha, we always think about that story about how Mary sat in the feet of Jesus and Martha was working. But one of the real miracles of that story is that Jesus um, wants her to sit there. In that culture, she would not have been allowed to sit at the feet of a rabbi. You know what right. I mean? And that he essentially wanted her there. He said, yeah, I want her here. Uh, his well, he, he, he 
basically told the disciples and anybody who is like, it's like, um, she has more faith than, than she, yeah, she is, she's chosen the better thing, you yeah. know? And so, uh, and then, uh, kind of the, the capstone of that, my whole argument on that and his argument on that in the book is that, um, women, um, the, the Jesus' best disciples were the women. Were the women. Yeah. Who were there on resurrection day? Who was it that greeted him in the garden? The women. Yeah. All the other disciples were pouting. They were they going were pouting. They were afraid. Yeah. And the women went into, to, you know, obviously they didn't think he had re- rose yet, but they were there. And then Jesus allowed them to be the heralds, the messengers that he had arisen. Yeah. So who I was, was the first person, I mean, who were the first people to, to, to get the news that he had was risen? The women. The women. And then here's one. Um, so Jesus, um, Jesus was brought into this world through the womb of a woman. So, um, when I look at the, the Calvinist or reform stance on women in ministry, I have to reject it. I mean, and I'll probably get in a lot of trouble for that from some of my friends. Um, but I will publicly say that I reject that, um, because, and I have changed. And so I apologize to any women I've ever offended. Um, I still, I still honestly struggle with, um, a woman senior pastor over and, and men sitting under that. Um, now to say in another three years, that won't change depending on my study stuff. I don't, you know, I don't hold it. It's not one of those things I think are written in blood. I would say this are, they're written in ink or pencil. Um, they're moving further down the list for me. Um, I think, uh, there is the whole idea of, um, in, in, in Genesis talks about a man, a woman want to usurp or to overthrow a man's authority. And so that's kind of in their nature uh, by their sin nature, just like our sin nature is that um, we're prideful and arrogant and we will have to work the ground and it'll produce thorns. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's part of our sin natures. Um, and I think that the man leads the home. And so a man should probably lead the church. Um, however, I would be open for a friendly discussion and debate on that. Um, but Stephen can attest that uh, even me, confessing that um, women everywhere else in full-time paid ministry positions, even being called pastor, just not senior pastor over men, um, is a big leap for me. So um, I'm but, speechless. <laughs> anyways, that's not really anything to do with being lost, but that's just something that's been on my heart lately. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey with that. If And I have just had the argument, like, if Jesus valued women so much, why are churches not? You know what I mean? Like, why are yeah. or why are they like a second class citizen? In, Through a, in a lot of churches, they are in Reformed tradition. They are in Calvinist churches and mm-hmm. Baptist churches that hold they're not allowed to hold any, and they're not allowed to be called pastors. And there, it's like, hmm, that doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, so that was kind of off topic. Uh, but I do wonder um, about if God loves the loss, shouldn't we? God was Jesus was countercultural. I'm kind of backtracking, getting back on on track. Um, Jesus was countercultural. And uh, he cared about the lost over taking care of the people in the church first, right? Yeah. Or the people who are already in the fold. See, like how I got us back on track. Yeah. And so um, when I look at churches, I don't see that very uh, much today. I don't I don't see that at all today. I mean, there are few oh, churches. Oh, come on. Don't say at all. No. I, I. All right. When I say I don't see it, I mean specifically in my Domain. Domain and, and where I visit and stuff. Sphere of influence. I see most churches dictating their their business to feed the 99 yeah. and not to reach out to the lost. Yeah, I think uh, when I... That one. And when I think about um, a lot of the most successful churches in America, 
I see this happening. I see they have a focus on reaching the lost, and I see that God has blessed their mm-hmm. ministry. The um, fastest growing churches, yeah, are reach the ones that the lost. And and what they do, what I would say, they have advocates for the people who are not there yet. The lost, yes, you know what I mean. So I like, agree. They think in their daily planning, like, okay, this is how we're operating. This is speaking church language. This is you know, this is great for us. But what about someone who's never been here? Someone who's never graced our door? What happens when they come in here? Right now, remember what I'm saying is, I say churches, and I mean the congregations, the 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 church construct. I'm not meaning pastors. There are there are hundreds of pastors in my life that. That's their sole purpose is to reach the lost. Right. And they are doing their best in the church that they're in yeah. to but you're fight saying that counter cult that you're, culture. You're saying the church at large isn't helping them. Yeah. The church at large is not helping because what we see is I was lost, but now I'm found, so help me continue to be found. Since I'm here, then take care of me. Right, exactly, and that's the whole, we've I talked about it before. Lost, but now I'm found, and it was bad, and I don't want to be there again, so please help me. I'll, yeah. I'll give you a tithe. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, and it's and it kind of like, it it flirts with that line of like paying, like works and everything to, mm-hmm. to get in. It's like, no, it's not about that. Now that you're saved, go share it with everybody else so right. that they can be saved, you know, and it's one of those things where, so I wanted to, I wanted to put that out there that it's, it, I don't think that there are, there, I mean, there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of pastors that I know of that are for the lost. They're, that's, that's their, their sole purpose and, and goal, but it's, they have to fight for that, um, that cultural, you know, that church cultural thing like, no, you have to deal with us, not them. Mm. So. It's good, Stephen. Good talk about the loss. I mean, we got a long way to go as church. I think we should have another topic soon about the church. And oh, we kind of did talk about outreach, didn't we? We have talked about. But we, we can always talk about it again. I mean, we have not said everything there is. Uh, we barely scratched the surface. So, uh, closing thoughts, uh, Stephen. All right. Well, um, my closing thoughts are um, this: I, our job is not to. Our job, the Christian's job, is not to save people. That's that's God's job. Jesus did that. Um, 2,000 years ago, he saved us from our sins by dying on the cross. Our job, though, is like the Great Commission says, is to let them know they're already saved. They just have to accept it. Um, we have to show people, the lost people of this world, of the love that we have found. A love so ridiculously good that um, one couldn't not possibly deny it and that is a double negative but it is true we could not not possibly deny it does that make sense or am I confusing you your face looks confused confused. it's a love so ridiculous that there's no way that we could deny it oh that makes sense (laughs) so I understand that it is our job to preach the good news and make disciples, but I feel like we've been focusing on bringing people to the church rather than telling them mm. what the church is. Mm. We're too worried about how many people are in the, the pews that we forget to tell them why we're in the pews to begin with. Mm. Um, so we aren't um, we aren't the lost anymore, not because we aren't God's sheep, but because we are part of the 99 sheep grazing in the field while our shepherd is still hunting out that one who has gone awry, gone wayward on the path, 
who um, may have chosen or may not have chosen to be lost, but they're still there. And Jesus is saying, I have the 99, but now I want you. So if you're here, if you're listening to this right now, Jesus wants you to be in his kingdom. He wants you to be a part of his his life, his eternity. Um, so much so that he's left the church um, here to find you. So, I mean, that's kind of what I want to say is like, if you feel like you are too far gone, trust me, Jesus will go to hell for you. Because that's what he did when he died on the cross. You you don't fully understand what he went through on the cross. Neither do I. But I know that it was hell for him. So much so. But guess what? He broke that. He, he destroyed. He has the key now. He is the way. So he will go to the ends of the earth, even to hell for you. So you are never too far gone. So that's my, those are my final thoughts. You're, you're never too lost to be found. You can find me on, uh, um, stoneswillcry.com, also on elephantpew.com. So excited about things that are coming in probably in the next two weeks. So, um, keep, uh, actually probably by the time you hear this episode, (laughs) it'll have already happened, but that's right. (laughs) Um, but um, yeah, just check us out on elephantpew.com. You'll get everything that you need from there. Well, what about, did you say Stones Will Cry? I did say Stones Will Cry, okay. but you'll get to Stones Will Cry through Elephant Pew. Either way. All right, my closing thoughts. Um, simple. I want to uh, kind of develop a thought. Uh, Steven said, just make sure it's clear. I know what he meant, but you might not know what he meant. He said, um, you're already saved. You just have to accept it. Um, you are in need of salvation and, and all you have to do to receive that salvation is to accept it. I just want to make sure that we know yeah, that. Okay, That's sorry. what he meant. He just um, bumbled, bumbled the words a little bit. So um, so uh, we're not saved until we accept that salvation and then we're saved. So we are condemned until then. We are in fact lost. So, um, and, and what he said is true. Um, there is no amount of lostness in which Jesus can't save you from. There is no amount of sin that Jesus can't save you from. So um, if you're lost, um, turn to him and uh, he'll find you. And then lastly, uh, I want to really, I want you to go home. Or maybe you are home. I want you to go wherever you are not right now and think about um, um, what we said about churches and think about your church. Is your church an advocate for the people who aren't there yet? And if they aren't, um, I want you to be that advocate. I want you to go and I want you to advocate for the people who are coming to your church and they're not there yet. Maybe they're coming next week. Maybe they're coming next year. Maybe they're going to be there in 10 years. But the attitudes and mentalities that you set towards the people who aren't there yet right now will, in fact, change the culture of your church. So um, I just want you to start keeping eyes out for those people because um, Jesus told us to be about the loss, to be about reaching out. And, in fact, I would go as far as to say that while Jesus loves our worship, um, he would be saddened that we gather in the same places every week and talk about him, about people who already know, to, to people who already know him, and then we go another seven days, six days, um, before we come back and do it all over again and don't say his name again to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. I think his words to you would be, um, you missed the point. It reminds me of the scripture that says, um, 
be gone. I never knew you. Um, I said, well, we healed in your name. And um, he says, I don't know who you are because um, Jesus is more than just a weekend activity. He is your Savior, um, your best friend, your God. And uh, he wants to be with you on every part of your journey, not just on Sunday afternoons or Sunday mornings. So, yeah. So I think that's my closing thoughts on that. I need to develop some more thoughts on this. So I have enough, but I think we need to hit, hit another episode on this because it's uh, there's a lot to talk about. So yeah, agreed. Too, too much for one. I need so. to apparently clarify my statement when I say that. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> no, I meant no. I was talking about the one that you corrected me on. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hate me. Well, okay, you hate me. But well, then. I hate you too. <laughs> just kidding. I love you. Um, also, uh, you can find me on Shouting Into the Wild, um, my podcast and blog, and it hasn't been updated in a little bit, but hopefully, all that will be changing soon. So yeah, we'll see. So uh, yeah. Well, I'd like to thank our subscribers and listeners who chose to listen to us. We're so humbled that you decided to allow us to be a part of your day. You guys are really the best audience a podcast could ask for. This episode was brought to you by ElephantPew.com. Thank you so much for making <laughs> and, us a part uh, of And yeah, your don't forget life. to go on iTunes and rate and subscribe and review on iTunes. If you leave a review, I will use it, make a poem about you or for you or using your name in some way. I, we haven't had it in a while, so I haven't got to do any poems. Come on, people, get out there on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review, and you will get such good artistically rhyming words about you that will be forever etched in the history of podcasting on Elephant in the Pew. Right. Well, well, it's free. Come on. You're missing an opportunity. You can also check us out on uh, Google Play. You can check us out on uh, Blueberry and, of course, many more. Thanks so much for listening to us. Follow us on elephantpew.com. And uh, thanks so much for joining us today as we talk about being lost. Go find yourself. God bless. <laughs>